Good morning, everyone. I am Naya Swami Nirmala, and this is Naya Swami Dharmadas. It's our joy to welcome you to Sunday service. This week's reading is from Rays of the One Light, weekly commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda. What was the star of Bethlehem? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Divine vision is the opposite of worldly sight. Divine vision sees God's presence behind all outward appearances. Worldly sight sees appearances merely, coding even the blazing wisdom of a saint. A master to the worldly man is a human being with perhaps a slightly better attitude than the norm. The scriptures therefore strive to demonstrate how the divine consciousness, when openly active among men in the lives of great masters, must never be viewed as an expression of ordinary human consciousness. To seek the presence of divinity behind the life of a great master is to prepare oneself to recognize that same divinity also in lower manifestations until at last one beholds God everywhere. Thus it was that Paramhansa Yogananda, on observing his new disciple Swami Kriyananda, struggling with the contrast between the guru's human appearance and his inner divine reality, looked at him deeply one day and said, if you only knew my consciousness. The story of the birth of Jesus Christ contains an account in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 2, of the star of Bethlehem. The wise men who saw Jesus in his manger said, We have seen his star in the east. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. This account was important, for it showed all mankind that Jesus was a divine incarnation and no ordinary man, that he brought divine consciousness to earth, even though he would play a human role among human beings, and that others, too, by receiving him in their inner hearts, would acquire power, as the Bible puts it, to become the sons of God. The scriptures enjoin us to meditate on the lives of great souls that we may discover our own latent spiritual greatness. As the Bhagavad Gita puts it in the fourth chapter, He who knows the truth touching my births on earth and my divine work, when he quits the flesh... He puts on its load no more. He falls no more down to earthly births. To me he comes, dear Prince. Thus through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh.
Good morning. I also would like to welcome you to Sunday service. It is our particular privilege to share this particular Sunday service with you, this being the last Sunday service before the world ends. Um, <laughs> or at least according to some people, the last... There is a comic strip of um, um, ancient Mayan and he's next to the calendar, the Mayan calendar. And he's saying, well, I ran out of room here. Boy, this is really going to freak some people out someday. <laughs> so here we are. It's next week. I'd like to begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity, Master's Book of Prayer Poems. Open my inner eye, O fountain of light, that I may behold thee in the dance of myriad-hued atoms. Burst open the doors of space that I may see thee behind the mists of the illusion of matter. Thou dost hide behind the walls of thy brilliant cosmic rays. Open the portals that I may see thee everywhere. In the reading today, particularly in the title of the reading today, I'm reminded of something that Nirmala and I were doing earlier this year. It's actually starting just about a year ago right now in India, and then uh, we followed Swamiji to Italy in the spring, in March and April. We did interviews with him uh, that were videoed and, and recorded in audio called Ask Me About Truth. And because the programs were very free-form, we never quite, there, some of them are up on the internet, I don't know how many, but some of them are either on the Ananda.org website or else on uh, YouTube. And they're quite fun, but they were very unpredictable because there would be times when one question was enough to launch Swamiji for 13 minutes, which is what the length of the programs was. And then there were other times when one question launched him for about five seconds. <laughs> and I could sort of visualize this particular one. What was the Star of Bethlehem? Well, it was the spiritual eye. Next question. And <laughs> sort of, you know, and then you're sort of stumbling a little bit trying to, you, you, you had mentally uh, sort of portioned off several minutes for that one, but no, it didn't work out that way. Well, anyway, I'm going to give you a slightly bigger answer to that question than, yes, it was the spiritual eye. But it's fascinating to think back. I don't know how many of you were raised in the Christian tradition, but I was. And in the particular one that I was raised in, there's not a lot of mention or awareness of these wise men. Magi, magus, is where the word comes from. In fact, our word magic comes from that root. And it's a priestly uh, origin from uh, Middle Eastern religions, Zoroastrianism. But where did they come from? Who were they? How were they wise? Obviously, they were wise. They made it to Christ and they found him, which is no small thing back in that era. But it's easy to dismiss all of that as sort of myth and lore and legend of history. 
It's also easy to dismiss it as kind of the dusty pages of history that don't necessarily affect our lives today. But if we peel back the layers a little bit, there's quite a lot of nuance and and amazing subtlety in all of that. If you can imagine that you live in that time, I remember going as a child to the planetarium in Chicago and there was a program on the Star of Bethlehem, you know, so the, now, now they've got it all worked out to being some astronomical event. So we went. Well, at the end of this long, long presentation, which I mean, it was really beautiful, you know, and they had shooting stars and they had comets and they had all kinds of things that they showed. The conclusion was that they couldn't figure it out. They didn't know what the Star of Bethlehem was. And it was like, well, come on. I mean, you're going to drag us all the way in here and then you don't actually tell us? I mean, this is come, come here, this just unbelievable to me. I remember thinking, my God, you have this gazillion dollar place and this big, massive, magical production and then you sort of don't come up with anything. But that's what the rational mind does. That's the... Science can never quite get all the way there, sort of like Zeno's paradox. It gets, the arrow gets halfway across the road, and it gets another half of the way, and then it gets another half of that, and it never actually makes it there. But intuition does. And if we go back to that time and imagine, imagine you are one of those kings. In the, in the tradition it's assumed that they were kings, not just priests, because of the gifts that they gave. Giving gold, giving frankincense, giving myrrh, those were the sorts of gifts that kings would give. Otherwise, it's not necessarily known, and it's also assumed that they were three because the gifts were three, but there might have been more. And some of the stories and legends uh, that relate to after they met Christ almost have to indicate that there were more. But imagine you have an experience and that experience is powerful enough that it's going to draw you across the world. What part of the world? Well, there again, you know, history is a little vague. Some traditions say that one came from Europe, one came from Africa, one came from the East, wherever the East is, Middle East, China, India. Other traditions have that all three of them came from that area. You almost would have to expect that one of them was Indian. But it's a long, long way across the world in that era. It would take months, even years, months just to prepare and months and months, perhaps years to make that journey. This was not an era where you could dial up Google Maps and... Uh, call ahead to the next oasis to make sure they had enough food for the camels and etc. You know, it was a long and dangerous journey away from the comfortable, away from the familiar. And what would draw someone? A king would perhaps uh, face great opposition from his own people. Why are you leaving? Why are you going on such a long and dangerous trip, an expensive trip? You'd have to muster a small army in the visions of Therese Neumann, who Master met, the stigmatist from Bavaria. She recounts how those 
what the wise men when they arrived they arrived in a huge throng it was not just a small little you know five or ten it was hundreds imagine the impact that that would make this huge group traveling along and coming to this small town and coming to a, sm a small home I mean, some traditions, it's the stable, other traditions. Her, in her visions, he was two years old, and they had already gone to, um, no, sorry, they hadn't gone to Egypt yet. They were about to go to Egypt, but he was, he was a child and could walk, and he came out and greeted them. But in any case, they made that trip, and they followed a star, which they could see quite clearly. They went to Herod. This is recorded in the Bible. This is one of the ways that that they can judge now historically that Christ was born a few years previous to AD, previous to zero AD, because these wise men met Herod and discussed this. And he, of course, wanted to know and was very upset with his own astrologers that they hadn't been able to figure out what this star was and why was some king being born, some potential rival to him being born in his own kingdom and they didn't know anything about it. Well, of course, it was a very inward experience, a very deep experience. And it was enough of a deep experience that it could convince three kings or more to travel across the world. For what exactly? This is really interesting. For a moment in the presence of God, which is worth a lifetime, which is worth many lifetimes when you think about it. And they came and they knelt before him and they offered their gifts. And that act created later the tradition of kneeling in the Christian tradition because they recognized God. They recognized Christ in that little baby and offered their gifts. But more importantly than what they offered outwardly, they offered their hearts. They offered their lives and their devotion. And... When you offer something to God, that offer is blessed. What you have offered becomes transformed. This morning, as we did the purification ceremony, the fire ceremony, that matter is being transformed into light, into heat, into energy. And in our lives, everything that we offer is being blessed by light blessed to become light, to be freed. And when we offer our lives to God, he comes to us. Those magi had to ask. They had to watch. It says in the Bible that he comes like a thief in the night. Watch and wait, for you know neither the day nor the hour. We have to be very vigilant because when he comes, he often comes as a thief in the night, which is to say very quietly, very unexpectedly, very simply. And we have to be ready for that. We have to ask. It's not enough for us to sort of read those pages and think, well, how wonderful that someone traveled across the world. They recognized this soul as the Christ as the Christ consciousness that came down into the world, how wonderful that is. We also have to take it upon ourselves. And it's an unfortunate thing that 
wise men sounds a lot like wise guys, but we have to become wise people, wise devotees. And that phrase, ask and ye shall receive, gives a real strong hint for what we have to do. We have to ask in order to receive. Now there should be a little footnote in there in the Bible, and there isn't, but I'll add it myself. Pay attention to what you receive, because it often comes packaged up in a way that's a little bit unfamiliar or unexpected. I'm reminded of when I was in high school, I took chemistry and physics from a science teacher who was essentially a college teacher, but he happened to be teaching high school students. And so he was excellent, but he was extremely challenging. And one of the ways that he was challenging was he would go through the principles and we would learn and we would study the experiments that exemplified those principles and demonstrated them. But then would come time for the test the examination. And these were sort of pre-tests, so they didn't count that much. But still, there'd be 20 or 30 questions on there. And you would look at those questions. And I had studied, you know, I knew the material or so I thought, and I'd look at the questions and I'd be like, what on earth is he asking about? We haven't studied any of this. How can he possibly expect us to know? How on earth are we going to figure this out? And, you know, Sometimes the light would go off and it would be, oh, oh, it was that one applied in this bizarre way. Oh, okay, well, I could do that. And afterwards, you know, the light would come on all 20 times and you'd figure out, oh, 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 that's what he meant. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I, had to, I have to have this internalized enough, not just to know it by rote, but I have to be able to apply it in all these other situations in life. Well, that's how the divine works. We may pray, we may ask for a divine harvest of blessings, and we may receive in the mail a package of seeds and think, well, gosh, this isn't much of a harvest. I mean, got a, you know, a few little seeds here, they don't weigh very much. Well, and a, and a little note, you know, a little sticky note connected Good luck. <laughs> well, it's so, which means we got to put our energy to it. We have to apply ourselves. We have to use what is given to us in some meaningful way. And then, yes, there will be a harvest. It may take its time. It may be a process. But just because it's unexpected doesn't mean that it doesn't come. It does come. And our lives... We have been blessed by the example of Swamiji and the example of Master. Master had a vision in Ranchi, as we all know, and, and had had hints of that vision earlier, one would certainly suppose, based on reading the autobiography of a yogi. But in Ranchi, he had the vision of Americans and Westerners who were seeking realization. And that vision was enough to propel him to Calcutta, to jump over impossible hoops, miraculous, in miraculous ways, he was able to get a passport, he was able to get on the ship, afford the passage, get to America, and we are here in this room. 
as a result of that vision, as a result of his willingness to ask the question, to receive the answer, and to do something about it. And in one way or another, we may not, all of us, be called in some dramatic way to leap on a boat or an airplane or whatever it is to go across the world or off the planet, but we are each of us called to be free. And we are each of us called to share the blessings that God has given to us with the world in whatever way is in front of us to do. And he comes in the most humble manifestation. Christ is born in a stable, born in a manger. And how, you know, imagine, here you have kings traveling across the world and they're encountering this little child. And yet they can recognize that spark. They can recognize that spirit. And Master says that those three wise men were Babaji, Sri Yukteswar, and Lahiri. And that Christ returned their visit with a visit of his own for training when he was a youth. And that accounts for the lost years between ages 12 and 30, where Christ, nothing is recorded in the Bible of what he was up to in those years. And it may seem a bit odd that Christ, the Christ, would go to India for training, but there's a human drama to all of this as well. And we are each of us sparks of that divine nature. And that spark is something that we have to give honor to, but we also have to protect. I remember many years ago, Swamiji speaking of Christ and saying in his birth, which we celebrate in this season, we, we recognize his, this tiny, beautiful life in potential, and we feel very protective of that. And it's fascinating to see that by the end of Christ's life, we are asking for his protection as he's on the cross. And that journey is a journey of every soul, in a sense, because in the beginning of our spiritual lives, we have to be very protective. We have to be very careful of keeping in, uh, negative influences or harmful influences away from that growing spiritual life. Eventually, when that life is strong, it can face any challenge. There is no challenge. Even death is just another doorway, just another stage along the journey. So if the world does end this week, we'll all be happy because we have built a beautiful consciousness. And that is, in a sense, the real message of this season. It's not about the outward. Those things are fine. Master celebrated social Christmas. He was always thinking of gifts and uh, you know, buying people things. That was a very sweet aspect of it for him. But just as we celebrated yesterday in the alternate all-day meditation, all-day Christmas meditation, we celebrate that stillness. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the title. Christ is the universal consciousness that pervades the entire universe. And that consciousness is perfect stillness. Every time we touch that stillness, we touch Christ. 
and that stillness is alive and it's conscious and it gives us a message and in the case of the wise men it gave them the message cross the world I will lead you I will lead you via this star in the east the east of course being this part which goes before us the forehead I will lead you by your own intuition and your own inner realization I will show you how to follow me and when you arrive imagine that moment these kings have traveled all the way across the world and they're meeting this little child they're going to receive his blessings anything that we offer to God is blessed more than we can know at the time and that blessing will ripple through our lives and ultimately just as we see with Master and Swamiji it will ripple through the lives of generations to come and ultimately it will bring us the freedom which our souls have been calling for for many many lifetimes <laughs>